Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Five years ago this month, Arlington Independent Media launched WERA 96.7 FM with the firm belief that a local radio station was needed in our community. Why? Because commercial radio stations weren't doing enough to cover events, people, stories, and culture that define one of the most diverse and innovative communities in the country. Since 2015, WERA producers have filled that void with thousands of hours of informational, entertaining, and uniquely local programs, programs like Aging Matters Radio Show. WERA is currently holding its winter fun drive, so please help celebrate its fifth birthday by making a tax-deductible gift. Help support local voices in your community for years to come. Go to WERA.FM and click the Donate button in the upper right-hand corner. It only takes a minute and will allow WERA to continue to bring innovative and timely programs like Aging Matters to the airwaves. It simply can't be done without your support. So thank you. And now let me tell you about today's program. More than 334,000 scams and financial abuse cases targeting older adults along with an estimated $6.3 billion in damages, are reported to authorities every year. Most experts agree that's just the tip of the iceberg, since many crimes of this nature, where older adults are the victims, are never reported. My guest today is Stephen Izaguerra, Community Outreach Coordinator with the Office of the Attorney General of Virginia. He will talk about the broad array of scams, fraudulent schemes, and identity theft used to take advantage of older adults. He will also describe how the information about these practices can prevent older adults from becoming victims, and also how the Attorney General's office can help. So welcome, Stephen, and thanks for joining me today. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. Well, Stephen, let's get started by you giving us an overview of the Office of Attorney General. Help us understand how does the Office of Attorney General provide assistance to older adults and and other Virginia residents, for that matter? Sure. So our office is uh, constantly working to spread the word about scams and frauds and online safeties to the general public, and especially our older adults. There's a variety of scams out there that our office is constantly trying to get the word out and educate uh, the public. 
as to the way that they work and the way that they can defraud people of their money. Uh, our office also has a consumer protection division, which provides support and resources for consumers. We have various programs that help support victims of crime. And we also uh, strive to support law enforcement agencies with training initiatives and, and, and other supports. Um, and one of my favorites is, is the triad program. Our office hosts the triad program, which is formed at a local level. And it kind of facilitates the, the communication between law enforcement and older adults in the community. All right, well, and, and help us understand a little bit about what you do personally, your responsibilities as the Northern Virginia Community Outreach Coordinator. Yeah, so I am the Northern Virginia Community Outreach Coordinator for the Office of the Attorney General, Mark Herring. And the Attorney General started uh, Community Outreach Coordinators back in 2014 to make sure that the resources and programs of the office were accessible outside of the Richmond area. So we're regionally based across the Commonwealth. There are six of us, two of them are in the Richmond area. I, in particular, am located in Fairfax. Our goals as community outreach coordinator is to connect communities with the programs and resources of the attorney general. And we wanna make sure that we participate in outreach events and educate uh, the public on important social issues. We really wanna get out there and talk to people about supportive programs and resources, educate them and provide outreach on a lot of important uh, social topics that we feel are important and that we are working hard to, to, to address. Okay, well, and by the way, Stephen, I did want to acknowledge your mentioning the triad program and a little later in the program, the second half, we'll talk a little bit more about what's involved in the triad program, but I'm glad you brought it up and we'll be talking about it a little later. So I'd like to spend a little time on why older adults are more likely to be victims of identity theft, fraud, and other types of scams. Help us on that. Sure. So older adults, um, for a lack of better words, uh, tend to be more vulnerable. Um, our older adults are sometimes isolated and might find themselves to be lonely. Um, there might be a lack of uh, support um, or maybe um, family contact might come into question. And so that combined with the fact that older adults tend to have saved uh, an enormous amount over their lifetime for their retirement. They are, they have access to these savings. Um, older adults, some of them may be suffering from early dementia or have some memory issues. Um, they also come from a time where one's word meant something and they are very trusting of, uh, of people in general. They don't initially come across uh, someone and and have a suspicious sense about their motives. Um, and they usually have a great respect for authority. And unfortunately, that's exploited with a lot of these authority scams. And that kind of, all of those things that you just described, Stephen, sounds like that's what predators are counting on when they target older adults. Would you agree? Definitely. Scamming folks out of their money is their profession. They're predators and they are great at their jobs. Um, they are counting on folks to be embarrassed. And with that, perhaps they won't want to report what happened. You know, there might be some confusion about the details 
how do I explain what happened? I'm not even so sure I know what happened. And so, you know, that kind of self-doubt, embarrassment, they may have a fear of also if they report this, will my family and friends look at me differently? Will they feel that I am unable to make my own decisions? And, you know, that can be a huge motivator in folks um, not wanting to make a report or share what's happened. And finally, by the time you may realize what's happened, the scammer's long gone, along with your money, unfortunately. And is there anything in particular that predators don't want older adults to know? I think that they don't want you to know is that they are going to have the ability to mask their identity quite well. They have a lot of tools. They have a lot of tactics that predators uh, rely on to be able to deceive you and, and get your money. Um, there's a variety of um of options given modern technology. For example, spoofing, which is basically cloning or masking one's identity, whether that be a phone number or a web address or an email address to appear like it's originating from a different location. Um, they may use real information available via social media or the internet um, to identify names of family members or to get previous addresses and use that information to create a believable story to deceive the potential victim out of their money. Using that information along with pressure and fear, uh, it's a really bad combination to, to be able to, to deceive someone of their money. You were led right into my question and, and I, I, we appreciate hearing about these various tools and tactics. Anything else or is that that you wanna share with us? Well, I think uh, it's important to remember, I know we have caller ID and that used to be a reliable method to, to be able to tell who was calling us at home or on our cell phone. Unfortunately, again, our technology has advanced so greatly here in the past decade that no longer can we rely on the caller ID system to identify who's truly calling us. Computers are able to manipulate that information. And I could call you Cheryl at home and make it look like the White House is calling, unfortunately. Well, that's certainly good to know. And, and I, I understand what you're saying. Nowadays, it, it, you, the caller ID says Arlington, Virginia, so you think it might be a neighbor or, or something like that. Or um, it, It's difficult to tell. So uh, I, I'm assuming that the best thing is just if you don't recognize the number, just don't pick up. W would you agree? Right, Cheryl, and you actually bring up a good point. As scammers realize that if you see a local number calling, you're more inquisitive about who could possibly calling. And so you're more likely to, to answer the, the call if it is a local number. So they do try to use local numbers when possible. Um, before moving to Virginia, I lived in Texas and I get calls from Texas area codes. And I know when that phone rings, it's likely a scammer and I do not pick up. Yeah, well, Let's, let's get into some of the specifics. The first one is identity theft. What information are predators seeking in the case of identity theft? For identity theft, obviously the social security number is a very important piece of information that they'll try to get their hands on. With our social security numbers, we are able to access a lot of information. Uh, typically when you call in a 
establishment or medical office, they may ask for portions of that number to verify your identity. Um, they can open credit with that number. And, uh, you know, they may also seek to obtain your credit card number, banking information, uh, passcodes. It's important to remember that a lot of personal information is available online already. So they may already have your full name. They may have your address already and even previous addresses and phone numbers. So they just need a few more pieces of the puzzle and not many pieces to be able to clone your identity and do some fraudulent work in your name. What about a birth date? Is that uh, an important piece of information? Yes, a birth date is important. However, it isn't easily found online. Um, there are companies that mine this information, this data that uh, collects general information that's publicly available and combines it into one website so that it can be searched and found. So websites such as whitepages.com or familytreenow.com allow someone to go to their website and search someone by name and city and then provide a wealth of information on that person. And that information, again, is publicly available. And it can include your addresses for the prior several years, prior phone numbers, including your birthday. Well, you can't be too careful. So uh, the thing that I read recently and eager to have you uh, talk about is something called an identity theft passport. What are the requirements? What is it? What are the requirements to get one? And, And what would be the application process? I think this is an important part of the process of identity theft happens to you. Is that true? Yeah, so this is a really great program that our office has. Uh, The identity theft passport is, uh, in reality, an ID card from our office in in cooperation with the Virginia DMV. And this ID card basically certifies that you are, in fact, a victim of identity theft. The requirements would be that you uh, have some documentation showing that you filed the report uh, with local law enforcement about the identity theft. And there is an application available on our website, which would be ag.virginia.gov. And it's a simple application. And this um, identity theft passport is good for about three years and it, it is eligible for renewal. And so the the passport would be, it would be something that say an older adult would want to get if they already were a victim of identity theft. Is that, is that true? Correct, correct. This would be something that would you would get after uh, the theft has occurred. And I would uh, like to note that this document can come in really handy, let's say, if um, you were to get pulled over by law enforcement and there's questions as to maybe an outstanding ticket or an outstanding warrant that you weren't aware of that maybe perhaps someone um, used your information to create this this uh, warrant to come into play. And now you need something to show that, hey, I am a victim of identity theft. I'm not responsible for what you're finding. And so this is a really great document to help support you. Sounds like it. Stephen, give us some suggestions as to how older adults can avoid identity theft. What what do you tell older adults? 
Well, I would highly recommend that, uh, especially if you love to read, invest some time every week to learn a little bit about uh, technology and scams. Um, read an article, perhaps. Uh, just a little bit of uh, self-investment on what's going on uh, builds up over time, and it's a really great defense. Um, a basic understanding goes a long, long way. I would also recommend that you talk with your peers and neighbors about what's going on uh, in the scams and frauds world. What kind of phone calls have they been receiving? Uh, it's, it's a difficult time where maybe perhaps we don't talk with as many people, at least face-to-face -face right now, given the pandemic, but it's important to share this information. Uh, maybe your concerns, hey, I saw something suspicious in the neighborhood. Have you been getting folks coming door to door? Or I've been receiving phone calls claiming they're from the IRS. Have you? And that can spark a conversation, a dialogue. And you might find out that a friend has received similar phone calls. Maybe they've already reported it to the police. So uh, I think it's important to, to be able to network and share those concerns with folks. Uh, and you'll realize that you have friends and neighbors that are there able to support you. Well, it's interesting because I don't know if you're in a neighborhood where next door neighbor is uh, available, but I'm seeing a lot of times, I shouldn't say a lot, but if something is a little suspicious, people are more likely to share that again. And I'm seeing that much more right now uh, during this time when we are all socially isolated. So if something's going on that uh, is questionable, it is good. And it is being done, at least in the Arlington area and beyond. So if an older adult is a victim of identity theft, what should they do, Stephen? Who should they contact and how? Give us some details on that. Well, the most important thing is to contact your local law enforcement and make a report. They have immediate local resources available there where you are. The next step would probably be to freeze your credit. Now, freezing your credit is free to do. It's not something you have to pay to do. And what that does is it blocks creditors from being able to pull your credit. And so if there's a fraudster out there trying to open a credit card account or, or some other kind of line of credit in your name, uh, it's not going to be able to move forward with that credit freeze in place. So there's three credit bureaus. You have TransUnion, you have Experian, and Equifax. Each of those have um, online websites as well as phone numbers that you can reach out to to be able to put that credit freeze in place. We also have a consumer protection division that is there and available to everyone. Um, they offer counseling. They offer uh, a method of filing a complaint when you have uh, a a business issue that maybe needs additional attention. There's also an online database there where you can review complaints from prior um, where maybe there was a dispute with a business. So if you wanted to do research on a particular business, you are able to see what has come across our office in relative to that business. Um, our website, again, is ag.virginia.gov. I would encourage folks to check that out. Our Consumer Protection Division has a wealth of information out there. But if an older adult is a victim of identity theft, I, 
I would highly encourage them to take advantage of this uh, new hotline that the Department of Justice recently introduced. It's called the National Elder Fraud Hotline. It's for ages uh, 60 and older, and that number is 833-FRAUD-11. And that hotline is open daily from 6 in the morning to 11 at night Eastern Time. There's multiple languages available. And they try to answer within three rings. They give you a case manager who will remain your point of contact and help you file the multiple reports that may be required once you have become a victim of identity theft. Good information. We're going to ask you to give that at the end of the program again, too, because we want to make sure listeners get those resources. Stephen, I wanted to move on to scams. We've finished identity theft and... Help us on understanding what are things to be aware of and watch for to avoid scams. We're going to talk about specific ones, but give us an overview of what we need to look out for. Well, I think it's important to remember if it's too good to be true, it probably is. I know we tell our young kids this um, as they're growing up, and it's important to remember it as adults as well. There's tons of information available online, as I mentioned earlier, to be able to fabricate a believable story. And unfortunately, whenever we receive phone calls, emails, or texts from strangers, we need to be able to immediately have a suspicious mindset. Uh, And it sounds terrible, but it's the safe way to to handle things uh, in the current world. There are do not call lists to help uh, stop uh, solicitors from calling you perhaps, but those do not call lists are structured to stop legitimate solicitors. Scammers have no regard for these do not call lists and will call you anyway. Again, they could also reach out to you via email, even text messages. So you really need to be cautious whenever you come into contact with the with these communications that you're not expecting or may not be familiar with. It's also important, especially as the holiday season and the shopping kicks off, try to pay with your credit card. A lot of credit cards offer additional protections. So if something goes wrong in a purchase, your credit card company can come in and help protect you and and, and dispute certain charges. Prevention is very important. Once that money is gone and out of your pocket, it's really hard to recover especially if that money ends up going overseas. These scammers know to apply pressure and have a sense of urgency whenever they call you. And a lot of times they're in foreign countries, so it can make it really challenging. Yes, I was reminded when we were talking about identity theft a little earlier, people suddenly, or you get a phone call from the credit card company and saying, somebody in Utah is trying to buy something at a drugstore using your credit card. And if I understand, and maybe you could explain this, they usually start out with something very, a small purchase to see if they can get away with it and then go, and if it seems that they can, go to larger purchases. Is is that still true? It hasn't happened to me in a long time, but I just wanted to verify with you, Stephen. It does happen from time to time. I wouldn't say that it necessarily would apply in every instance, but sometimes scammers do kind of test the waters per se to see if they have a valid card. And then once they feel comfortable with it, it may venture out to do a larger, more testy purchase. 
Okay, well, let's talk about examples of authority scams. Uh, what are some possibilities and how would older adults respond to these? Some examples of authority scams are really important to, to keep in mind, especially uh, right now. Authority scams can consist of IRS phone calls. It can consist of uh, calls impersonating local law enforcement. These are very prevalent. They, they are intended to get a reaction out of you versus allowing you the opportunity to think it through and, and truly respond to, to the situation at hand. Uh, these calls may, for example, uh, say that you have unpaid taxes that are due and they may threaten your immediate arrest if you don't make a payment on the phone call. So I think it's important to, to understand that the IRS won't call you if you do have an outstanding tax that they're going to send you a, a letter. Um, a lot of times these scammers also ask for gift cards. So that's a red flag to be mindful of. Um, and there's going to be a lot of pressure. They might threaten you in the sense that, uh, you know, the deputy is allegedly already on the way to your house. And it's important to realize that law enforcement really does not like to give warning that they're coming if they are making an arrest. Uh, it's, it's an officer safety concern and the element of surprise is definitely preferred. So whenever these scammers are threatening arrest or incarceration, um, it's just a pressure tactic, hang up, call, if you're really concerned about it, call the official number back to verify that the call is legitimate. Good advice. Well, we're going to take a short break right now. We're talking with Stephen Izaguerra, Community Outreach Coordinator with the Office of the Attorney General of Virginia, and you're listening to WERALP Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Aging Matters is brought to you in part by Kathy Corridan, Senior Real Estate Specialist. Kathy is a realtor with KW Metro Center in Alexandria and works with seniors in Alexandria, Arlington, and D.C. to make selling their home and moving less stressful and more successful. More information is available at 703-971-7237 or C-C-A-T-K-W at gmail.com. Welcome back. We are talking with Stephen Isaguerra, Community Outreach Coordinator with the Office of the Attorney General of Virginia. And before the break, Stephen mentioned about gift cards. And uh, Stephen, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that, that you know, again, we're coming into the holiday season and think people are thinking about gift cards and getting them for friends and loved ones and family. Help us a little bit more understand why might scammers request gift cards as a payment? This is kind of new to me, too, so I'm interested in hearing. Sure. So gift cards are actually a very popular form of payment with scammers, Um And before I do go a little further on that, if you do buy a gift card, uh, do check the back of it and make sure that the code on the back of the card has not already been scratched off and displayed because chances are, if it has, the card's already been used before it's even made it uh, out the door. Now, scammers do like gift cards because 
you don't really have to register them. You know, they don't require you to provide a name and address. And typically the person who bought it, it's not the person who used it. So they really do like to have um, their victims go out and buy gift cards. This could be gift cards from iTunes or Money Pack or Google Play. And what they'll do is in the course of their scam, you know, they might, they might be impersonating the IRS or local law enforcement. And you got to go out there and get this gift card and provide the code that's on the back of the card. Once they have that code, they're able to use the money on the card and the money has gone. So it's important to, to really prevent it from getting that far. Wow. It's like every time you think you've got it all figured out, there's a new way of getting scammed. So uh, uh, be advised, especially during this season. A couple other questions, Stephen. Uh, sometimes you get maybe an email containing a court appearance summons. Is, is, is that a scam? Probably, yes, no. I would say that it probably is. Um, most of court appearances do come by way of a hard copy, and usually you'll have a deputy knocking at your door to give you a summons. Um, in some jurisdictions, it may vary a little bit, but typically if you're getting it via email, um, it it is highly likely a scam. Um, and. And I would encourage you that if you were to get one of these, don't click any links that may be on there. Go ahead and call your local sheriff's office and 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 tell them what's happened. Hey, I got an email saying it's a summons to appear. Is this legitimate? And verify the information that route. And remember, don't call any phone numbers that may be listed in the summons that you're receiving from the potential scammer. Use the phone book or use an, uh, a known number or resource to locate the number and call the legitimate phone number back. All right. What about funeral notifications? I've seen this as a possible scam. What would you tell us? Yeah, so funeral notifications, very similar, um, where they might uh, claim that someone has died. They might actually use obituaries, uh, so real-life people that have passed that you may know. And they may offer... Um, uh, additional details about funeral arrangements by clicking on a link. And again, if you click on these links, uh, unfortunately, you can expose your device, whether that be a computer or a telephone, to uh, to some danger. Uh, there's malware, there's computer viruses that when you click on these links, they could automatically download, which would then compromise your device and your information on that device. All right. One thing that, in fact, I've even read about the grandparent scam. What what exactly is that and how should people respond? That's actually a very common scam. And I get a lot of folks that tell me, yeah, I've gotten that phone call before. Basically, what happens is they'll get a phone call. Sometimes it can come in the middle of the night uh, and they they the scammer portrays themselves as their grandchild um, or just a, another known loved one, there's usually a, some kind of emergency. For example, uh, they can call and say, hey, grandma, I'm in jail, I need your help. Or maybe they're in the hospital. Um, the scammers might claim to be foreign attorneys and and your grandchild was is in a foreign country and got in some legal trouble and there, there's a need to 
transfer some money for a bond or some kind of fine or um, they can get really elaborate on their stories and the idea is to put you on the spot i identify that there is an emergency and apply pressure to you to be able to make an immediate uh, reaction uh, which their goal obviously is to get your money so the grandparent scam, um, it's important to, to, to just disconnect that phone call as hard as it may be, because no one wants to see their grandchild in any kind of harm or trouble. Um, but disconnect the call and call them directly uh, on their cell phone or, or call maybe a family member that would know where your grandchild might be and verify that information. You know, a lot of times, um, once you make that, you'll find that your grandchild is perfectly safe and you would have pre prevented yourself from becoming the victim of a scam. Keep in mind that a lot of the times they can get your um, family names online. So they may call you and already have the name. Sometimes you unwittingly give them the name by saying by saying the name in conversation uh, before they are able to give a name and then they just feed off of it from there. I suspect sometimes too that uh, if there's a lot of information on a Facebook page, that's a good way for the scammers to pick up information about individuals as well. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. In fact, so even if you don't, you yourself may not have a Facebook or other social media account, you may have uh, family members that do. And so, uh, you know, if any of those family members, whether it be your children or your grandchildren, um, get out there and put pictures and maybe tag each other. And by tagging, I mean, they may link uh, social media accounts to the actual photo so you can reach that person. Um, all that is, is various puzzle pieces coming together and if the information is not set on a private setting, uh, anyone outside of their immediate network can, can take a look at that information. All right. Healthcare scams. Given the fact that older adults are more concerned about their health, what kind of scams should they be aware of? What are some examples? Yeah, healthcare is important for everyone, right? So we want to make sure we're we're healthy and we know it's also an expensive um, task to take uh, upon. So whenever we come across a potential good deal, we naturally wanna know more. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, these scams, they really do take advantage of our, our, our hopes and desires and maybe our need to, to pinch a few pennies from time to time. There's a variety of scams out there from weight loss products to now COVID-19 scams. These calls um, can come up with different kinds of stories that, for example, uh, you might get a call that says your doctor has approved you for a specific product or maybe for a specific service. And maybe you qualify for a free product or a free service. And they just need your insurance number, which not long ago used to be your social security number. You know, if, if something is free and you do qualify for something, there's no need for them to ask for any kind of Medicare number or insurance number. Again, 
just be very cautious whenever you get these unsolicited calls. And, and these are calls from folks that you don't know. I would verify this with, with, uh, with your local maybe healthcare provider if you have any questions or your Medicare or Medicaid representative. Definitely do some homework. Don't just take these calls at face value. Especially with uh, COVID-19 coming up, which uh, is a whole different animal, we need to be really, really cautious. Well, and we're going to talk about some examples of COVID-19 scams a little bit later, but suffice it to say, uh, it's again one of those things you said earlier, Stephen, about if it's offered free, it's probably too good to be true or something like that. Definitely. So, uh, be, be aware. One thing that with, again, because we're home more and we're using our computers more, all older adults, but everybody for that matter, what about computer technical support scammers and scams? And one of the things, in fact, it's occurred to me about uh, sometimes my computer just freezes. And tell us about those. Are those still pretty common? And is there a solution, like if they freeze your computer? Yes. So those do still happen. Um, in fact, recently in the news, I read uh, the, the folks out in West Virginia were experiencing a surge in, in technical support scams. Your computer may freeze for a variety of reasons um, without any um, outside parties interfering. Um, that's just the nature of computers. But there is a form of freezing or locking that um, that outside um, bad actors can can cause. So if your device is exposed to a bad link or visits a website that's compromised, it is possible for the a scammer or fraudster to install um, malware or a computer virus onto your device that would basically take all the information on the hard drive or storage um, medium of that device and lock it up in a code that would prevent you from accessing it. Now, when they do this, the goal is to get money from you. So they're basically holding your device ransom. So you would get a message in some form or fashion saying, hey, your device is locked. Uh, we will unlock it for you for X amount of dollars. And once you make that payment, they could potentially unlock it. They may not. You really don't know. I mean, these are, are bad folks out here trying to scam you. So it's something to definitely be aware of. There's other technical support scams outside of that, um, you know, where they may call and ask you for, um, or they may call you and say, hey, your device has been exposed. We can take care of it remotely for a slight fee. And then they'll ask you for some money at that point and go from there. So do be careful with that. If you do have any computer issues, I would recommend just going to a local service provider uh, and, and try to get support that route. And is that what you're saying, Stephen, applicable just in general? Uh, I'm thinking about internet safety. Is Why is that important? We use the internet so much. And talk a little bit about that specifically as far as, far as the computer is concerned and, and 
how can privacy and identity be protected uh, and maintaining our online security, you know, and ensuring it? Yeah. So right now uh, we find ourselves in a time where we are realizing that we have maybe compromised a lot of our privacy by using a lot of this technology. Um, and sometimes it's written in, in these um, user agreements and privacy agreements when we do business with, um, with companies or when we use free email services and, and, and social media accounts. But sometimes it's also happening uh, in, in, in other forms that aren't, have more nefarious mean, means and motives. It's important to use best practices when we are using any form of technology. There's tons of information at risk whenever we get online uh, because on our phones and on our computers, we'll have banking information, we'll have um, important phone numbers, um, personal medical information, um, photographs, recordings, and so on. And once that that device connects to the internet, it is eligible for an attack. Uh, and it's important to be aware of that. Don't, don't share any sensitive information over unsecured connections. Now, it's important to realize that whenever you use the internet uh, outside of your home, if you use Wi-Fi, for example, Wi-Fi is great. It's free. You can find it at places like Starbucks, McDonald's, and a variety of other places. But if you don't have what's called a VPN, which is a, a form of securing your connection, then the information you, you share on a, on a Wi-Fi network can be intercepted by another person. And so if you're sending banking information or even you're log logging into social media, that information can be intercepted and taken and stolen from you. Uh, if you travel a lot and you go to a hotel, well, if you're using the hotel Wi-Fi, you need to protect yourself and that connection. So that's when the VPN would be very, very handy. Uh, email, uh, even if we do have a secured hardwire connection at home, all email is uh, if it's not encrypted, can be intercepted. So I guess to sum it up, if you're using Wi-Fi without any kind of encryption, or if you're using uh, email without encrypting the actual message, then it's basically like sending a postcard in the mail. That's the best way to think about it. Because when you write something on the back of a postcard, everyone that ha ha handles that card from, from you to destination can read it on its way. And that's what it's like using these connections. There's a few um, recommendations that I would like to include, which is uh, email providers like ProtonMail or Tutanota or MailFence are all examples of, of uh, email providers that allow you to encrypt your messages for a very small fee a month. Um, Obviously, I would encourage consumers to do their own homework and make their own decisions, but those are just some examples to, to keep in mind. Okay, well, I want to make sure that there's uh, time in the, the program uh, for uh, some of the important things that are coming up. I mentioned COVID-19 and holidays, but before that, I wanted to ask a question about online dating and sweetheart scams. 
Um, I actually have, when I was doing research and preparing these questions, I was finding out that this is a major, major uh, possibility of a scam. So help us understand why can online dating and sweetheart scams be dangerous? And as importantly, what should older adults look for when meeting new people? Yeah, so this is one of the fastest growing uh, scams right now. Uh, everyone's online, especially with the pandemic. We're getting uh, lonelier by the day, it seems, because we're locked in our homes uh, and, and we are, we're asked to not go out unless we have to, to be safe from this virus. But in general, um, older adults may find themselves, unfortunately, without a partner. And so we want to have a, a good companion. And whenever we can't find one uh, locally, we may resort to the internet. And the internet's a great way to, um, to meet someone. In fact, I met my wife via the internet. But there's certain precautions that need to be taken uh, whenever we do uh, venture out online. Because anyone can be anyone online. Um, you, you can steal photos, basically. Uh, you can take anyone's photos from their social media account and put them under a new account and under a new name and basically identify yourself as that person. And a lot of times that's what these scammers do. They'll grab some photos of an attractive person and put it online. They'll give them a name and, and portray themselves as that person. Um, and some red flags that can help maybe help you identify that something's wrong is, oh, they're out of, out of country for work, or they might claim to be out of the country because they're in the military. And so they're serving maybe in Afghanistan. And so they can't meet you locally. Or they'll have another excuse like, oh, I'm out of town for business or I'm in the hospital or, um, you know, there's a reason that they can't meet you. And so this allows them the opportunity to establish a, a rapport with you online and to get information about you uh, and establish that connection. And eventually what happens is there's a emergency that arises in which they need some help. It might be a long, sad story, or it might be a sudden emergency like, oh, uh, I just got arrested and I need some help. And it ends up that they need some financial assistance, and they'll rely on you to be able to provide that. And after you've established this kind of connection with someone for so long, and here you are, someone that's, uh, you know, uh, piqued your interest, and, and y'all chatted for some time, and y'all have had good conversations online, you develop this connection and you want to help them out. And unfortunately, what it is is that you're getting scammed. It's important to, to, to keep that in mind. If, if you do decide to go meet someone from the internet, definitely um, do so in a public place, um, maybe in the company of friends, but be very, very cautious about that. Once you meet someone face-to-face, uh, that's a whole different level of danger, potentially. And there have been instances where um, victims have 
maybe uh, gotten into an online relationship and they're in a foreign country and then they go visit them in a foreign country and find themselves in serious, serious danger on foreign soil. Well, people need to be very careful then about meeting new people and uh, protecting themselves. We mentioned before about examples of COVID-19 scams. Can you share some some of these? Yeah. So uh, contact tracing is actually a legitimate call from the Virginia Department of Health. It's an effort to identify uh, potential folks that have been um, uh, exposed to the virus. Unfortunately, scammers, uh, what they may do is uh, try to come across as contact tracing and use that as a method of getting personal information. So it's important to realize that whenever you do get a contact tracing call, uh, if it's legitimate, they're not going to ask you for personal information. Outside of maybe your birthday, they should not, they're not going to ask you to pay for anything, and they're not going to ask you to provide social security or insurance numbers. If you get one of these calls, what we're recommending is that you uh, I get their name and maybe an employee number, disconnect the call, and then call the Virginia Department of Health directly on their main number, and then tell them that you received the phone call. And then they'll, they should be able to connect you uh, with um, the proper um, division that's doing the contact tracing. So that's just one uh, example. There's also uh, fraudulent treatments or vaccines that we're expecting to, to become prevalent as we get closer to a real vaccine. Um, it's, it, the reality is there's going to be limited qu quantities in the beginning, and, and these scammers and fraudsters are going to try to create fake ones and, and sell them to you. So please, please, please uh, do not just buy vaccines from an unreputable source. Um, be very, very cautious. The uh, pandemic has also uh, created a market for counterfeit PPE. Uh, this is uh, equipment that's not really up to par, um, but may claim to be. So this is your masks and, and uh, your gowns and a variety of other personal protection equipment. Um, emails and texts that claim that maybe you've been exposed uh, that have links. Again, those links can lead to some really bad software on your device. And finally, price gouging. Our office is strongly, strongly uh, fighting price gouging during the pandemic. Uh, and it may not always be the retailer's fault. It could be a di distribution issue. But if, uh, uh, if there is an unreasonable price for something that's important during this pandemic, uh, our office is definitely going to investigate. And we're getting close to the end of the program. But can you very quickly, before we talk about how victims can get help, are there maybe one or two scams that are prevalent during the holidays? Sure. So uh, just be careful with charity scams. Use charitynavigator.org. Do some homework. Uh, for anyone that calls you asking for money, be careful uh, shopping online. Make sure you visit our website for more information about online shopping. And uh, be careful of too-good-to-be-true deals on name brand items. All right. Help us now understand where and how can victims of scams get help? And is it likely that the situation can be resolved or, and or will they ever get their money back? So again, 
a lot of these scammers are overseas, and unfortunately, because of that, it could put them outside the the, the arms of of justice. Uh, it's a it's a harsh reality. So it's really important to 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 try to get the word out there to prevent this from even uh, from from your money even getting into the scammers' hands. Um, Law enforcement is working hard. Our office is working hard, uh, but it is a big, big task. So education and word of mouth is really, really important. If they want more information, again, our website, ag.virginia.gov. We have a lot of information on there. Um, I highly encourage if, uh, if, if you have become a victim of identity theft, 833-FRAUD-11. That's the national fraud hotline for older adults. 833-FRAUD-11. But there's a variety of websites out there. The Federal Trade Commission is another great website that I would encourage folks to take a look at. AARP has a fraud watch network. Really good information. There's a variety of resources that are out there. You just got to invest a little bit of time to do some reading. And Stephen, did you want to say anything more about the triad program? You did mention that earlier, and I didn't know if you wanted to mention sure. anything. So our triad program is really great. Um, there's about uh, eight or nine of them here in the Northern Virginia region. And it's basically uh, a, a program that's formed at the local level. Anyone that's interested uh, in forming one, feel free to give me a, uh, a ring and I'll help them. But it's an organization of seniors and uh, law enforcement coming together to be able to communicate and prevent them from becoming the victims of crime. So it's a great uh, platform to spread information about scams, online safety, even at home safety. So we love it and and, uh, we highly encourage localities to participate. And you mentioned that they could get in touch with you. How can they do that? Yeah, so I'm based in the Fairfax Regional Office. My information is on the website, ag.virginia.gov. And uh, I'm available if I, really by email, by phone. I'm here for you. Give me a call. If I if I'm, don't answer, please leave a message. I will return the call. And what's that number? It's 703-424-1101. Okay. Well, I want to thank Stephen Izaguerra with the Office of Attorney General for joining me today. And if you want to learn more about Aging Matters, you can visit our new website, which is agingmattersonline.com. And here you can learn all about Aging Matters. The content is all in one place. And you can find out about the Aging Matters podcasts on Apple and Spotify. And you can also subscribe to the Aging Matters monthly newsletter to receive email updates about new radio shows and TV episodes. So be sure and go online and subscribe so that you'll be hearing about Aging Matters every month. It's all there. I want to thank Robert Winship for handling the technical aspects of today's program. And of course, always thank you for listening to AJ Matters. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I will be back with you again next week. Aging Matters is sponsored in part by the Aging Life Care Association, an organization of aging life care professionals. Aging life care professionals offer guidance, advocacy, and support for older adults and their families in order to maximize quality of life. An aging life care professional can be there for your loved one when you can't be. More information about the Aging Life Care Association is available at www 
midatlanticalca.org.